0: Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm Mike Crump here with Pastor Nathan. Nathan, you doing all right today?
1: Doing good. How about you, Mike?
0: I am doing good. Uh, Last week, we talked about divorce. This week, we will continue. Yes, we skipped
1: through the minefield of uh, very non-controversial issues. Yeah,
0: non-controversial, no strong opinions. So what do you have this week? Uh, Something very lighthearted. Jesus' return and uh, the signs of it. Uh,
1: You know what? Remember, like I've said in previous episodes, send all your questions to Mike Trump. (laughs) We will answer them all.
0: (laughs) Well, I do think that uh, while this is one of those debated hot topics, um, it is very timely that we are kind of in this passage and in this area of scripture uh, Mm. during our walk through the scriptures because of all that has been happening in israel all that's been happening uh, even in the governments and the authorities that are making plans and wars and rumors of wars and all that's there um, it's happening it's all around us and so i'm praying that today will help maybe provide some clarity to some of jesus's words and really kind of point us to our coming king um, so, Nathan, to get us off uh, on the first question, why does the geopolitical happenings of this small nation of Israel that's surrounded by all these Arab nations, why is this a huge talking point for the return of Christ when we see things happen there?
1: Uh, why is yeah, why is it a talking point? There's so many answers to that question, yeah. Mike. A couple of brief ones you're going to have to cut me off cuz i'm going to that's fine give this. me the top 3 that's fine <laughs> uh, one of it is because uh one of the one of the prevailing thoughts of how the world will come to a conclusion will involve something with the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. and spe- specifically in the West, a lot of people hold to that what we call eschatology, yeah. doctrine of last times, believing that Israel will be restored, there'll be restoration of the temple, there'll mm-hmm. be a literal, uh, all all of these things will happen here on earth, and so, uh, now I I share with a great degree of a number of those aspects, but so that theological understanding plays into how we look at. Israel. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether whether you view that Israel actually has a literal place at the end of time, which I think Scripture says it does, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact is is that Israel has been the epicenter of redemptive history, I mean, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And there are these prophetic messages in the Old Testament that talk about the the warfare of the end Mm -hmm. and the ingathering of people and the promises made to Israel. And so the question that people start to think through is, well, maybe we're at that time when mm. the Lord is about to, to move and, and to bring about the final stage of history. Yeah I would like to point out though, yes, that throughout history, the last 2,000 years, especially, there have been multiple times where the church has said, "Well, this we can it. see it, this is it. <laughs> uh, now, here, here, here's what I can tell you for sure, for certain, Mike. Yes. We're closer today than we were yesterday.
0: Oh, well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. That's yeah,
1: right there. There you go. I mean, I can say that with absolute certainty. We're closer today. And if the Lord tarries, we'll be closer tomorrow that's than we were today. very true. Very true. Uh, very profound, I know. Yes. But if you look at, I mean, people thought that Nero was the Antichrist. Yeah. Um, people thought that the um, the Holocaust was, again, under Hitler, that he was mm-hmm. the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have many different aspects throughout history yeah. when when people tried to exterminate the Jews. There have been multiple attempts, to actually, to, to restore the nation of Israel in different ways. Nothing like significant in the last hundred years, I grant. Mm -hmm. But the church at different times has said, this is it. We must be in the tribulation. People thought that with World War II. Mm. People thought that in different places um, and then through different wars in history. So this is a continuing conversation that we will keep having. Yeah. Because until the Lord returns, we're all wondering, When exactly is it going to be?
0: Yeah, and we are going to get to that in a minute and uh, hopefully get some sort of date on the calendar there, Nathan. Thanks. Um,
1: (laughs) You know what? You know what? I'm sorry. You asked the question, why is the nation of Israel called so many? We can talk about the turn of Christ. Because the nation of Israel seems to be at the center of the final prophetic reality spoken of in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yeah. That's why.
0: Thank you very much. Sorry, I should have said that at the beginning. No, that's perfectly fine. You okay. can ramble. That's okay. So <laughs> we're going to be in Matthew 24 and 25. These are the words of Jesus about the signs of the end of the age. But before we kind of look at it, the words of Jesus, maybe provide a little context to where this message comes in light of Jesus' life. Mm. Because it is right there at – this is like the Holy Week. This is the you know Passion Week of Jesus. He's heading towards the cross, correct?
1: Yes, he is. He's right at the final stage of his ministry here in Matthew 24. In Matthew 23, he just got done rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees for being false teachers, really um, servants of Satan in mm. many ways. And he makes a statement there towards the end of, of Matthew 23 where he he really wanted to see is, uh, Jerusalem restored, mm. but he was giving a prophetic word of the house of Israel is going to be left desolate. Mm. Um, and then the disciples in chapter 24 as they're leaving the temple after this confrontation with the scribes and the Pharisees, they said, when are these things going to happen? Yeah. I mean, is this the question, if you think about it, that we're asking today? Mm. When are these things going to happen? When is this going to happen? And so Jesus responds, and he gives a series of responses to give some of the defining distinctives that surround the final days.
0: Yeah. So let's look at those. Um, Matthew 24. I'm verses 4 through 8 says so that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying i am the christ and they will lead many astray and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not alarmed for this must take place but the end is not yet he continues by saying for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these are but the beginning of the birth pains and as i read that nathan i go yeah i think i've Experienced all those in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are, does that mean we are currently in the midst of these birth pains?
1: Uh, yes, um, but I think it's it's important to understand that we've been in these birth pains since basically the resurrection of Christ. Mm. If you read through the New Testament, the the writers of the New Testament describe this era of redemptive history as the final days, Mm. the last days. So that the early Christians considered themselves in the last days. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean the last days chronologically, like literally there's only a few left? Mm -hmm. Some people understood it that way. But now looking back and realizing that we've been in the last days for 2000 years, what does he mean? we're in the last stage of redemptive history. And that's very important to understand from a theological standpoint, that when the New Testament talks about in the last days, in the final days, in this final era of redemptive history before the Lord comes, this will characterize this era Mm. of history. Now, this era of history, these last days, this last event on the redemptive calendar or last period of, of history will continue to be characterized by these things. Does that mean there's only a few days left or a few weeks left or a few months left? Um, We don't know. Could it be another 1,000 years? Yeah. Maybe. The Lord knows, and it's his timing. Yeah. But we do know that what characterizes this is increasing strife and conflict as the depravity of man runs amok.
0: Yeah. And we also see promised here in... Uh, Chapter 24, Jesus says that they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And so here, Jesus is saying, you're also going to have persecution Mm -hmm. and you're going to be hated. Um, Why is it important for us as modern followers to? hear these words that Jesus is speaking to us.
1: Uh, the, the the fact that persecution is not an accident mm. or that persecution and hardship against the church, it's not a political aberration. Yeah, it, This is part of our identity is being willing to, as Peter said, to fill up that which is lacking in the wounds of Christ. In other words, continue to walk out that which he began, to continue to endure the suffering that he began, uh, completed on the cross, but yeah. we continue to live out Uh, in our identity in him, by being willing to be rejected, by being willing to be hated for Mm -hmm. his name's sake. And even in the Beatitudes, Jesus himself said, "Uh, Blessed are you, and others revile you, hate you, persecute you. Great is your reward in heaven. So it's important from a worldview standpoint to realize that being a Christian— does not mean it's an existence of peace this Mm -hmm. side of heaven. It is recognizing that we are strangers and that there are hostilities against the people of God until he takes us home.
0: Amen. Could it also be, as we look at false teachers and wars and rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, all of those things which we see almost regularly, it just seems like, Mm -hmm. they are just, Jesus is reminding them, hey, as you see these things, remember, the time is drawing near. Mm -hmm. It's a constant reminder that Jesus is coming mm-hmm. that the end is coming and it's almost kind of hearkens us back to be aware be awake don't be lazy and just forget I am coming and so we just see that as a almost a this dripping reminder of God's power and authority to come
1: And I think every generation of the church thinks it's in the last generation. Mm -hmm. And frankly, that's part of our theology, Mm -hmm. is that every church generation should be prepared to be the last generation. Yeah. Whether or not the Lord comes or waits another couple hundred years, it's a perspective of expectation and longing for the Lord yeah. to return, to come back, to make it right. As we look at the world today, Mike, there's no question that there's a there's a globalization that has happened, although it seems to be deglobalizing in some ways by the definition of the term. But where, where, where the world has kind of joined together, both politically, economically, socially, yeah. the, the ethnic boundaries seem to be much more diminished. Persecution is higher now than it. Ever been in history. Martyrdom is higher now than it's ever been in history. Mm. We don't get those news headlines. We yeah. think back to Nero, but really the quantity of Christians, either by at the hands of Hindus or Muslims um, being martyred for their faith is quite extreme. Yeah. I mean, in the hundreds of thousands um, on an annual basis now, I believe, wow. I think it's 100, like 10 years ago, it was like 120,000 a year. Wow. Um, and so don't. if you want more details on that, go to joshuaproject.com or, yeah. or persecution.com that track these numbers. It's, it's extraordinary. So the fact is we're seeing a ramping up of, of hostility. Yeah. And people will say, see, we're, we're at the apex of the hostility against the church, and so the Lord's return must be near. Yeah. My response would be maybe, maybe. But at the same time, things could still get a lot worse before the Lord returns. Mm. Um, and, and maybe, and on the other side, on the positive side, the Lord is not done in gathering yet. Yeah. There's still a lot of people who he wants to finish his providential plan of gathering in the elect.
0: Yeah. Thank you. No, that's very helpful. As we move, let's continue looking at some of the Jesus' words, because I do want to ask about a couple things. The first one is he mentions this abomination of desolation, um, and he says it was spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So what exactly is happening here? What is this abomination of desolation? Is this something that happened in history, something that's going to come? Um so the, so the
1: abomination of desolation. Remember that Daniel was was given. It's a historical book with prophetic elements, mm-hmm. and a number of the prophecies, especially about Persia, Rome, Greece, uh, Babylon, um, you can see how the prophecies were given and and they, and they were fulfilled oh, historically. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stunning. Well, one of the things the abomination of desolation will enter the holy place and just commit abomination into the temple. We actually saw that one of uh, one of Alexander's generals mm. went into the holy place in in Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on oh, wow. the holy holies uh, in the altar uh, there in the temple, and and w- what do we think? We think that Antiochus Epiphanes, who is this guy who did that, mm-hmm. and that act, was a foreshadowing of a later greater event that is still yet to come. Okay, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is almost like the this small a antichrist, almost like the precursor antichrist, mm-hmm. and this act that was just unbelievable in the mind of the Jew. Mm-hmm. Who would have such gall to desecrate yeah. the, the place of God? But if you understand the, prof, the prophetic words, they often gave prophecies that had a near fulfillment mm-hmm. and then an ultimate fulfillment. So that the exile and the destruction of the temple is a near fulfillment of judgment, but then there is still an end time coming of the full destruction that is yet to come. Mm. Um, there's another antichrist that is going to come. Just like the that you have deliverers in the Old Testament, whether it be Moses or David, or in the book of Judges, these deliverers mm-hmm. sprinkled out, they're foreshadowing of an ultimate deliverer that will come, and of course we know him as Jesus Christ. Amen. So prophecy in scriptures often has a near fulfillment, that then points to an ultimate, greater fulfillment.
0: Gotcha. And that's what's happening in Daniel. All right. He continues in Matthew 24, and after this, you know, abomination of desolation, you've got scattering about, and he talks about this great tribulation, such has been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. Um, is this a general statement of suffering, or is this a specific contextualized time period as is often understood? I know there's variations of understanding yeah, on
1: Yeah, I think that there are variations of understanding, and, and there can be variations of understanding between godly brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. I, I do believe, I, I believe that we see in the Old Testament the words of Jesus and even in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking at literal events. Yeah, If you move these purely into the figurative realm, it becomes very challenging hermeneutically, meaning interpretively. Yeah. How to be consistent where Scripture is figurative, and where it's literal. Mm-hmm. So you want you always want to interpret scripture literally unless it demands a figurative interpretation. Well, the fact of the sun being darkened, the stars fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens be shaken, these scream like literal events. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't take them yeah. as little events. So we have a, an event in the future that is consistent with the book of Revelation where literally creation itself is being shaken mm. as the precursor to the restoration. Yeah. And we know that in other books of the New Testament that God is going to uncreate the world before he recreates it. And that there's a final reckoning uh, with the powers of darkness before God recreates the cosmos in perfection. Mm. And so we seem to be talking about the same events, though the sequence is not entirely clear. Yeah, We have an end time when literally the cosmos will be shaken as the Son of God comes back to bring home his church.
0: And do we see that? I mean, here Jesus speaks about these, the sun being darkened and the powers of heaven shaken and all of these things. Would we correlate that to what we see in the Revelation with a lot of the bold judgments and things of that nature? Yes. And that those would be kind of more specific revelation yes. about these moments?
1: Yes. Uh, if you look in the book of Revelation, with a caution, don't read Revelation as a chronology and sequence of events. Revelation kind of loves to jump around to yeah. different points in history.
0: Can I read it with my newspaper open and start? <laughs>
1: That's what we call newspaper theology. Okay. The answer is no. De- definitely do <laughs> okay, not do just, that. Just double checking. Uh, the main point of Revelation is the exaltation of Christ. John makes his thesis very clear mm. in Re- in Revelation chapter one. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what Revelation's about. Um, and now, if we see the events surrounding that revelation, mm-hmm. the stirring up of the cosmos, what we see in Matthew 24 and the book of Revelation do jive, that we have massive upheaval before Christ returns. It's almost like Satan knows his time is short, and this is his final push mm-hmm. to create destruction, chaos, dissension, yeah. and push back the Son of God and even try and resist his coming if that's even possible. And then... Jesus kind of arrives on the scene, and there's not even a fight. No, just the the opposition melts away, mm. is literally just destroyed before him, which That's is bad. an incredible thought.
0: It really is. It really is. Now, here's the big question, Nathan. What date on the calendar can I put? Uh, <laughs> can I just mark this?
1: You know, this is this is such a great litmus test for what is a false teacher and what is not. So, <laughs> those of you who are listening, you now know Mike is a false teacher. <laughs> Um, because <laughs> in Matthew 24, Thanks. 36 to 37, concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be co- the coming of the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. The flood came with Noah with no warning. No one knows except the Father in heaven. Parentheses, mm-hmm. it's not that Jesus is not God. At this moment when Jesus said that, he had... He had um, put some knowledge, he had restrained some access from that knowledge until his exaltation. Okay. You know, if we look through, Jesus removed some of his glory and his power Mm -hmm. during his incarnation. He also put off some of his access, if you will, to that knowledge during his humanity. Gotcha. But the point that this scripture says, only God knows the time. Mm. If someone says they know when Jesus is returning... They are claiming insider knowledge that not even the archangels and the seraphim and the cherubim and the angelic host are privy to right now mm. at the very throne of God where they're singing, holy, holy, holy. Yeah. Only God knows this. So if you're claiming to know it, what are you claiming about yourself? Yeah. It's actually a great blasphemy. Anyone who says, I know when Jesus is coming, it's actually a very blasphemous and very offensive statement to God.
0: And it also flies in the face of even the parable that comes after this, that Jesus is connecting to what he's saying, like the ten virgins. It's it's about these women who are preparing for the bridegroom, but they don't know when he's coming, so they have to be ready mm-hmm. for him to come. And so to say that I know the, the, the hour is to say that, well, I can hang out inside, and then when... I know what time he comes, I'll prep my lamp and go outside, you know? Yes. And so it's kind of uh, counter to even what Jesus continues to talk about. So, as false a. False
1: teachers don't read the Bible. That, 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 <laughs> that, 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 that is the bottom line. Because if they just, like you said, they just went down to the next thing and said, so how does that read consistently? Yeah, that's true. Context. Yeah, yeah. context. Let's, let's stay Basically, away from the context. False teachers don't jive with the Bible. That's always a good litmus test.
0: Yeah. So, we're running out of time. So, let, let's just kind of abbreviate to the end here. Jesus comes. And the Bible says that he separates the sheep from the goats. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, the, the final judgment. This is, this is God's judgment upon uh, the mankind. Who are the sheep? Who are the go- goats? And what should we take away from this very, really troubling in some way, um, but also just, um, so, well, I, I'll just say that. It's troubling and serious for us to consider as we uh, look at Jesus in that final judgment.
1: Well, the sheep are the redeemed, the ones who belong to the flock of God, the ones who've been saved by Christ through his blood. And the goats are the ones who are removed from and are the unredeemed, the unbelievers, the ones who are, as Scripture says, the God-haters and are cast into everlasting judgment with the demons and his angels. Um, It's the great separation, there's two eternal realities that Scripture presents, eternity with God or eternity without God, Mm. eternity in joy and salvation in Christ, or eternity in damnation apart from Christ. To to demand an existence apart from God and without Christ is to demand everlasting death and destruction, Mm. and that is what hell is. Yeah. To live in Christ is to accept the giver of life, the creator of life, the sustainer of life, the one who loves life and who is the great life giver. And so both of those existence jive and hinge on one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Even scripturally in the Old Testament, the sheep, they were the means or they were the recipients of uh, the, the sacrifice that basically atoned for sin. The goat was the one who was set outside the camp with the sin of Still on them. So the sheep are the ones who are now part of that circle of reconciliation with God. The goats are the ones who are sent outside the camp, and the sin remains on them. Mm. It's a very sobering moment in history.
0: It is, and one that we should be mindful of because, one, as Christians, yes, we long for that day because it means we get to dwell with Mm. our King in the fullness of his glory. And we are made new, and there is so much joy that mm-hmm. happens in that moment. Yet at the same time, there is so much weeping over just the consideration of family members, friends, people on this earth right now yeah. who will stand in judgment before God yeah. and will spend all eternity separated from him in hell. And so it should cause us to seek out those and speak the truth to them.
1: Yes, yeah, so it, should, it should propel our efforts. Now, I, I want to make a brief note on that is we should do that out of obedience, mm-hmm. not out of desperation. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, their eternity is as a result of their own decision and responsibility yeah. in accordance with God's providence. And how those two intersect are, are one of those mysterious aspects of Christianity. Yeah. But as believers, what propels us is obedience with the fearful reality and also call to those out there and mm-hmm. saying, right now the door and invitation to salvation is open. But when Jesus returns, that door will shut, and it will shut eternally. Just like that picture of Noah and the ark. When that door is shut and the flood comes, there's no reopening it. So don't be caught on the outside. Enter the ark, that is Jesus Christ, and find life and deliverance.
0: Amen. Amen. Nathan, thank you so much. We'll end on that. And uh, thank you all for listening. We pray this has been an encouragement to you and helpful to you. If you would enjoyed this episode, please share it online with a friend, maybe who wants to know more about the end times or is curious about Jesus' words. For details and links to other content, you can also visit our social media page links and everything else at FocusedOnChrist.com.